Welcome to the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. I am John Paul Basham, and with me today is producer Nathan. Hey. Uh, ben Trueblood is out of town doing things that Ben Trueblood does. That's right. I don't know where he is, but I'm sure he's doing great things. Um, want to take just a minute, if you have not had the opportunity or taken advantage of a very small amount of time to go wherever you listen to podcasts and Give us a rating and a review. We would appreciate. We would. That. I always like to encourage you to give us five stars because mm. I hope that you love our podcast. Five stars, best stars. Yeah. We work hard to, to try to make this as good as we can for you and as helpful as we can for you. That's so. right. It really does help other people find the podcast. It's how the algorithm works. Yeah. So there you go. So help us. Help us help you. Help your friends find the podcast. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So with that said, today we're going to go through one session that we've done in a conference that we do here in Nashville called Student Ministry Essentials Conference. And this is a, it's a it's a cool conference. We keep them we keep them pretty small, around 25 student pastors and their wives or less. So you've got some strong table talk, a good opportunity to really talk shop. And so it, as a part of that conference, one of the sessions that we go through is called Six Core Competencies. And I'll tell you a little bit about how this all came about and how we started putting this together. The, the beginnings of this came out of a, a study that LifeWay Leadership did with mm-hmm. um, Todd, Todd Adkins at the helm. And they brought in a, a panel of leaders from all, all walks of life, Christian leaders, though, but that are, that are doing all different kinds of ministry, business leadership, uh, church leadership, seminary leadership. And they started walking through what are all of the key words that that they thought were integral to describing strong biblical leadership. And they came up with, is this right? They came up with like 330, it, yeah, 331 words. words, something like that. And so then there was a weeks-long, months-long process of whittling those down. And in the end, we get to fast forward to the end product they came up with six core competencies and so those are discipleship vision strategy collaboration people development and stewardship and so now what we've done is tied those back to ministry identity identities so if we're going to say these are core competencies things that have to be a part of any senior level christian leadership role, then how are we going to identify those specifically as identities in the ministry? We've tied those together, and what we're going to do is we're going to offer a a grid and a a brief explanation. So we're going to link this uh, with this podcast episode. Is that right, Nathan? Yes, that's right. So it'll be in the show notes in the description, be a downloadable link with all this info in it for you. To have at your fingertips. So here's what you've got. So don't worry about trying to get this whole grid in your mind. But this related competency for discipleship, we have the ministry identity of theologian. For vision, the correlating ministry identity is missionary. For strategy, is strategist. For collaboration, we have shepherd. For people development, we have equipper. 
and for stewardship is steward. So we're going to walk through these. And here's what if you this is something you can do in your mind or you can or you can write these down or pause the podcast in just a minute and download this paper. There's an there's an exercise here that I that I want you to do at some point. You've got them in this order: theologian, missionary, strategist, shepherd, equipper, and steward. And a, a cool exercise that that we mm-hmm. ask student pastors to walk through is force ranking themselves down this list of ministry identities because we yep. we know not all of us are going to be strong or, or the strongest in all of these areas. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're because they're pretty broad, and I mean it takes a lot of people just aren't wired for all of these all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. So so Nathan, what would you say? You know, there's. Some of these are similar. Some of these are very different. If you were going to say, man, here's here's kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, so for me, at least personally, strategist and shepherd are kind of opposite ends for me. Like, I love strategy. I love thinking through, how can we make this better? How can we make it efficient? Here's our goal. Now back up. Here's, you know, 10 steps to achieve this, and here's how we're going to achieve it at an excellent level. But, for, like, that's just, oh, man, I love doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. But shepherd has always been a bit harder for me. And I think part of it's because I, I'm just wired to be much more of a thinker. So I'm like, emotions, that just gets in the way of, like, how I need to achieve my goal. But yeah. that's not, you can't live your life that way. That's not practical, right? Yeah. I mean, you just walk all over people, and that is no good whatsoever. So I've had to learn, you know, okay, I've got to take time and invest because I truly believe in shepherding people, yeah. but I've got to force myself and how I'm kind of wired to to take time and realize, okay, I've got to step back and really focus on this aspect of these six core identities. So shepherding needs to become a big piece that I really consciously work on. So then I develop a strategy to how to work on that better. But you know. It's, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I think I'm similar in, in some ways there in the, the shepherding piece. Sometimes... As a student pastor, it's like, oh, they're crying. Like, I don't. I need somebody to right. come. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've stepped into territory that I don't really want to step in. Right. But yeah, I think it's it's a it's a both and. It's some of, you know, you want to be able to expose the things that you know you need to work on, and also sometimes it just helps to identify. Okay, here's some places that I know I'm going to need to enlist some help. Yeah. Not to say that you just delegate away everything that you're not good at, but understanding right. this is a weakness, I'm going to have to fill this gap one way or another, whether that's self-development for me or bringing other people who are strong in some of those places to assist there. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's easy, and it's important to know that, oh, I feel like I'm really strong in this area. It's so easy for us to gravitate towards that and not even realize we spend so much more time there than I think we think we, we do. Yeah. Just kind of realize, okay, how do I allocate my time between these things? Because like you said, these aren't, I can pick and choose which one of these I want to be good at and, and delegate or ignore the rest of them. Like these are six core competencies that as a ministry leader, we all have to be become proficient in and do, or those who really are lacking in, in our care towards our towards our people and the flock that you know God has so graciously given us. Absolutely. So download this this little one sheet deal and just real quick, force rank yourself. And so what that means is you're gonna have you're you're gonna write the numbers one through six next to each one of these categories. And you can only put one. One would be your strongest. Six would be your weakest area. You can only put one by one category. You can only put two by one category. And so you're forcing yourself to say, I am best at X, and then going going down and force ranking yourself, uh, you're going to have to make some decisions. 
And this is going to help you really start to identify some of these some of these areas. I think this will be a helpful exercise. It's always a fun one when we do this mm-hmm. in essentials. So take a moment, uh, pause the podcast, and then come back to us. So we're going to assume now that you've paused, you've gone through the exercise, and we're just going to real quick talk talk through some of these. Number one on the list here is theologian. The way that we have this, just a quick descriptor, is to teach and to guard doctrine. Acts 20, 28 through 30 says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock that the Holy Spirit has appointed you to as overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and men will rise up from your own number with deviant doctrines to lure the disciples into following them. This could not be more true of mm-hmm. my own experience in ministry, that when you're not guarding yes. theology, yep. wrong theology seeps into your ministry. Yeah, in the blink of an eye, and there it is. Yeah, and it, and it can come from so many places. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't tell you how many times. We had a, a lot of private Christian schools yeah. um, around our church in Virginia, and so... There are so many influences there when all the private Christian kids get together and start talking about what they're learning in their student ministries. And a lot of, you know, students would come in and we're talking through something that I would have thought, man, we've, you know, that's on lock. You know, there doesn't need to be any explanation there. And then all of a sudden, well, what about this? I think I believe this. Yeah. It's like, man, where in the world did that come from? Yep. And so this is something that is a tremendous responsibility for any youth ministry leader to make sure that you're teaching and and guarding doctrine. Nathan, I have heard pushback on on many occasions that, you know, hey, I'm not going to focus on theology because that is a man's construct. This is, you know, anytime mm-hmm. you read a systematic theology book, that's written by a man. All that I want to do in my ministry is read the Word of God and we'll discern what's there. What do you, what do you think is the danger of that? Of that approach, yeah, I think I think the danger there is is sometimes we bring too much of our own bias into it, even though we may not say, oh, "Okay, this is what I." Th-. I think sometimes we say, "This is what I think about this," and and really, it's not what we think about Scripture; it's what God has given us. And so, helping some, having some wise people who have gone before us, theologians, to kind of help guide and shape the the doctrine and what we're reading in scripture, I think can just be crucial. It always also, I think helps keep us in check yeah. as well. And so, and I think what happens is if, if we don't teach theology, I think students have those questions and it goes to kind of the flip side of this. It goes to, then they start listening to their friends and I'm like, Oh, well in my student ministry, we've never talked about, they may not say the words, the theology of, and then all the other words that come with it, but they're like, Oh, I never thought about maybe the afterlife does include blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden like their friends at the lunch table, because we've never actually helped walk them through that. Yeah, I just know in my own in my own experience with student ministry, the more that we went through and talked about some of these deeper things and, and really what we would call theology, that students just loved it and really ate it up. Because if it's done right, you're always pointing them back to the gospel and back to Christ, and so then they see how that how Christ and that connection happens throughout all of Scripture. So yeah. you can see how theology really is formed through the Bible, and I think that's crucial so that students see the see the gospel as one big narrative from you know, Genesis to Revelation, one constant story over and over of how God is faithful to us, how he's redeemed us, how he saved us. And so helping students create that framework, it's like what Ben says all the time whenever he talks a lot about theology is we've got to put the framework. So when you build a puzzle, you don't 
most people don't start with the middle and hope you wind up at the frame, right? Yeah. It's okay, I know this is a frame piece because it's got a clear set edge. It creates that frame, that vision, that outline for students to kind of then pack everything else inside of. And I think that's what theology really does. It helps form and define that frame so that we don't wind up shepherding people who have, you know, who get kind of really outside what the Bible is, is saying or called us to be. Yeah, I think that's right. I, a study of systematic theology is something that I tried to do every year with whatever students were interested in doing it. Um, and I always saw those studies as studies that gave students real handles for how to understand what they were reading. Yeah. And so, so often before a student walked through uh, a strong systematic theology experience, you know, they were taking away from Scripture very much a kind of an, an elementary understanding, you know, right. kind of like kids' ministry. You know, I know the story. I know the major players in the story. Mm-hmm. But understanding the intricacies of what's being communicated yes. often comes through understanding what exactly you believe and how that helps you interpret what's being said in Scripture. Yeah, for sure. So giving them those handles but making sure that you're guarding that they have the right handles right, is a crucial piece of student, student ministry leadership. The next role that we have here is the missionary. And so, and, and this role is to champion mission. And this is not necessarily the missionary, like I'm going to go out and be a missionary on the foreign mission field. Right. But you are championing mission. And so the related competency here is is vision. So for the theologian, it's discipleship. It's giving them that that understanding of what they believe and why they believe and how that affects the way that they live, how that, that affects the way that they read Scripture, um, you know, er, every piece mm-hmm. of life. And, and we, we have them in correlating together, the related competency and the ministry identity. That's not to say that none of the rest of these fall into the, into the discipleship category, but just keep, keep walking with us. So vision... Uh, and mission are here together. Uh, Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. All too often, uh, we meet ministry leaders who are really busy in the, in the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. And they've got one thing after the next. And if you're a student ministry leader, you know to run a student ministry is to always be looking at the next student event, the next thing that you're that you're trying to pull off, the next lesson that you're writing, the next sermon that right. you're preaching. It can be easy to to let your mission slide in just trying to execute everything that you're wanting to do for your students. And so when that happens, you find yourself kind of shotgun style in what you're doing. Mm -hmm, For sure. So if you are not intentional about making sure that you have a clear mission, a clear vision of what God has called this body of people to do for his glory, what is your church about? What is your community about? And how has God called you to to send the gospel into the community that he's called you to reach. And how would that be different in where you are to where someone else is? Uh, if you don't have a very clear mission that you can communicate, then then you'll find yourself, you know, just kind of doing a little bit of everything. And and yep. when you do a little bit of everything that you're, you, you can find yourself in a place where you're not very effective with anything. Right. If you're ever asking yourself, man, did this event or this thing that we did, did it really even have a purpose that I think, one, 
take a step back and realize, okay, I'm probably not championing the vision through this. And if your people are asking that question, then they're not understanding what the vision or the mission is uh, behind the student ministry. So yeah. I think, I think again, I think mission and championing that mission, it you should be something we love to say around here, uh, you know, vision leaks. I can't remember who said that, but some, you know, brilliant vision person. But the, <laughs> it's the idea that like people forget what the vision and the mission is and you have to remind them over and over. So whenever you're tired of talking about it, you've probably just begun to start talking about it maybe enough. Yeah. You know, and so whenever that parent comes to you and be like, hey, man, I want to take all the guys out and do a paintball on one Saturday. So if you can immediately say, well, how does that affect our our mission or what's our mission statement? Well, our mission statement, you know, it may be simply to be, you know, to reach the lost in our community and disciple uh, our community, you know, something very basic or simple. But even in that context, it's okay. Well, how will a paintball weekend do that? I don't know. I just wanted to go have fun. Well, we're not going to do that because we're not doing that. But then whenever you can get that leader to reshape and be like, man, I'm really going to encourage every single person who comes to this to bring one friend who, you know, one lost friend from their school, because now you're, you know, you're going into an environment that sounds really fun you know, whatever that case may be, now you're turning it into an outreach event. You're starting to create that strategy and that plan. Your mission and your vision really kind of sh- get the shine through that. And so you're doing everything with a purpose. And I think people get on board with that. And they, I think people get less burned out when they know, man, I know that this event and all this time I'm, I'm spending here volunteering or whatever the case is, is leading to a purpose. And I can see where that purpose is. And you don't just feel like, because I've been in student ministry before, just feeling like, man, I'm just doing another event because they told me I had to do it. And I tried not to, but this committee said, you're going to do it. So here I am. And (laughs) oh, well, you know, I mean, we've all been there. So, but I think whenever you start to reshape what this looks like, whenever you be that champion of your mission and your vision, it can really change the structure. And it also lets people who want to just, you know, do an event or think you should be doing that, you know, it helps them realize, wow, okay, you start to gain some credibility, like, wow, this person really has thought through how this is going to impact and make a difference yeah. on the student ministry. Yeah, and just, so we, we have two, these number two and number three are, are very similar. We have the, the missionary who is casting that vision, and so, you know, this is praying, discerning, putting in the work to say, where are we headed? What are we supposed to do? And then communicating that to your people. What are we here for? Mm-hmm. The, the, next, the next piece, although very similar, is uh, very much more a detail piece. And that is the strategist piece. And where it, it's closely related, but this is the, the clear how. Mm-hmm. And so this is a place that often people find themselves on opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah, very much so. So you may be someone who is very much a visionary. Like I can I can see one day that we could go accomplish this thing. I remember there was a man at a uh, church that I served in Virginia and his name was Art Leary. He was mm-hmm. the the head of the deacons. And when we brought on our senior pastor that I served with the whole time I was there. I say we. They brought him on before I got there. But our pastor used to tell the story often that he was in the car with Art and his wife Juanita. And Liberty at that point was a church of 2,500 or so. I mean, still, you know, big church. Yeah. But Art looks at Grant in the car and he says, Grant, I see a day that this church is 20,000 people. Mm. And he just starts walking through this vision that he felt like the Lord had had on his heart for years and yeah. years. 
And uh, Grant came back to that vision so often Mm -hmm. to talk about the way that Art Leary had pursued the Lord and asking, what is liberty going to look like one day? You know, and and he's not in a senior pastor position, you know, but this is a man called of God to serve the church that was just begging the Lord for a vision. What can we do for you and how can we dream bigger? For some people, that comes really naturally. Right. For other people, um, you know, visionary kind of thought like that just mm-hmm. becomes uh, too much of like, more like an opportunity for for failure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. I was talking with a friend the other day asking him about, you know, what goals have you set for 2020? And he was like, man, setting goals for me is just setting myself <laughs> up to fail. Right. That's the way I feel about it. Um, I want to go after what I feel like is right in front of me and try to improve it a little by little as we go right, along. Right, yeah. Um, and so, you know, he's not the visionary. So you may be more of a strategist or you may be more of the visionary. Either way, these are these are two two roles um, that you got to dig into to some degree. Martin, Lo- Martin Lloyd, I always want to call him Martin Lord Jones. <laughs> A pa- he says, a pastor is a man who's given charge of souls. He's not merely a nice, pleasant man who visits people and has an afternoon cup of tea with them or passes the time of day with them. He's a guardian, the custodian, the protector, the organizer, the director, and the ruler of the flock. Which is, man, what a definition. You know, if that's, that's weighty. Yeah, that is very much so. Uh, but this strategist, what he's saying here is... Part of your charge is to have all of these pieces in mind and to be thinking about how are we going to organize ourselves yeah. to do all that God has called us to do? Yep. What is the track that I can build for us to run on so that we mm-hmm. can accomplish this mission that we've prayed that the Lord would give us? Absolutely. I think often of an example that you use a lot, actually in Essentials, and you may even do it during this session, but to kind of the difference between the the visionary, the missionary, and the strategist is, if you think of like a head football coach, you know, the vision is that we're going to win. And you can stand there and just say, we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to win. All right, guys, get ready, we're going to win. And you can create an incredibly hype locker room. But the strategist, you've got to then give the defining ways of here's how we're going to win. You know, here's how, you know, we're going to play this defense against them. We're going to come up with these schemes. We're going to actually put some things in place that will help us win the actual game right yeah and so the the church version of that is man we exist to make disciples yeah there's a lot of a lot of ministries that say we exist to make disciples but you start getting into what's actually being done in the week-to-week programming right you know the framework like you mentioned Mm -hmm. of how they're going to get there to make disciples and sometimes you can't look at that framework and see a clear discipleship pathway right so then we're going to make disciples is actually an aspirational value right. more than it is a, a truly cultural, functional value. And that all comes down to spending time in the strategy. If we're going to say we exist to make disciples, then there needs to be some thought behind, okay, what's the pipeline here? Absolutely. What's the process that we can put people into? Yep. And not to say that the church is a giant machine that you know we put— Right. You know, lost people in one end and spit them out the other end a disciple. Right. But you should feel a responsibility on your shoulders to have a plan. Right. So that people there there are too many people in this country that have come into American churches and been in church all their lives 
and just been barely influenced. Yeah. But they've checked off the church box for a long time. Right. And so they feel like they've, you know, they've done their their due diligence. You know, they've yeah. followed the Lord. Um, but in reality, they just haven't had anybody challenge them or really disciple them and show them what it means to really walk with the Lord. Right. And bring others along with them. Yeah. That, yeah, I think that's one thing we're seeing so much in this day and age is that people have really never truly been discipled. So, so what we talked about a couple of weeks ago in the episode that we did about parent ministry, which was that, you know, most parents, whenever you tell parents you're the primarily discipler of your student, they just freak out because they're like, man, I don't know what that means. I don't know what discipleship really is because I've never been discipled myself. And so the strategist here, you've got to define, here's the kind of the roadmap. Again, discipleship can't be a conveyor belt. But all these things really stack up on top of each other. You've got to give them tangible ways. But, okay, here's what discipleship looks like. Here's some things that we can do. Here's some steps. People need steps one, two, and three. Yeah. You know, that's why most everything that we ever buy that has to be put together comes with instructions, right? Yeah. Like, we need a one, two, and three on how this goes. And yet, sometimes I think too often we just throw out the idea and let people go with it. And, but then again, the, the, go back to the very top of the sheet here. The theologian piece of that, if you're one that really is passionate about guarding doctrine— that freaks you out because now you've got a bunch of people just wanting to go willy-nilly through whatever. So then take time. Be that strategist, you know. And even if you're not the best strategist, find some people that will help, that can help you do that. Yeah. I'm sure you've got some people in your ministry who, you know, have some ideas of, I was kind of that way. Like I worked with a student pastor. He was a great visionary, pushed us in some really great directions to be much more focused on, you know, some of the things that really mattered. And he a lot of times didn't know how to get there. I a lot of times didn't have the the first idea of why well, I hadn't thought about what if we, you know, do this. But then as soon as he says, okay, here's my vision, then I'm like instantly I'm you like, oh, okay, here's here's all there. the steps to get there. Like I didn't yeah. see the thing of where we I didn't see where we were going, but I can pl- back up from there and give you all the steps. And so we worked great together in that sense, you know. So yeah. that's a part of learning, too, because along that way, I be- he taught me how to become more of a visionary and I helped teach him how to become more of a strategist, even though we didn't sit down and be like, all right, every Monday morning over coffee, we're talking about how I can be a better visionary like we didn't right. do it conscious effort but we just you just learn from people like that you know and this is also something when you're thinking about mission and vision as a student ministry leader you should be looking to your senior leadership for some of this as well if Absolutely. if your mission statement for your student ministry is radically different than the mission statement for the greater church right. then you have uh, you have an issue there yep um and also in the strategy piece you know, the way that you accomplish something is important. And so uh, it, it may be that, that a lot of this requires some, well, all of this needs to be clearly communicated to your, to your senior leadership. But even just in deciding, okay, what's the best way to go about this? Looking at your church culture, looking at your church leadership, looking at, at those that are, that are leading you and how they're going about getting it done, can give you a tremendous amount of insight and often a lot a lot of help on getting to that place that you know that you know you need to get to in the places that maybe you're not as strong as as you should be. So we've got three more and we'll we'll hurry up a little bit to get through this. Shepherd ensures the people receive care. So Jeremiah 23 verses 1 and 2 says, "Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture." I'm just going to stop there. Keep that picture in your mind. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. It is your responsibility to care for and to love the people 
that God has given you to shepherd. And sometimes the, the visionary, the strategist, sometimes even the theologian, mm-hmm. maybe you really enjoy preaching and teaching. Yeah. You really enjoy digging into the biblical truth. But you struggle, you struggle to care in, in, yep. in the small ways. You struggle to connect. Or you really love the strategy piece, and you're all about getting from A to Z in the most efficient way possible. Mm-hmm. But like I mentioned earlier, when somebody comes up to you crying, it's like, uh, can somebody handle this? Right. You know. But it it is your responsibility. Uh, it, it it's part of the charge that is on that's on your life. It's part of the call to love your people. Why? Because you're modeling the love of Christ. You're you're modeling the shepherding of Christ. And so as Christ leads you, you are leading these people to him. Absolutely. And so this is this is just like, you know, Paul would say, listen, I'm going to follow Jesus as hard as I can. And if you'll do what I do, then we'll both be following Jesus. Right. You know, and so this shepherding piece is a big deal. And a lot of times, like when I take a spiritual gifts inventory, Ben mm-hmm. and I are similar in that. And it sounds like maybe you are, too. We're pretty mm-hmm. low on the mercy side of things. Yes. <laughs> and so this is something for me that has been a pronounced uh, mm-hmm. area that I've really had had to dig into. Yeah. So same for me, for sure. Yeah. So but for others, man, this is so Jesse Garcia, a guy that I did ministry with in Virginia at Liberty, and I hope to do ministry with him again. He's crushing it in Arkansas at Cross Church. Uh, he's one of the, uh, on the student ministry staff there as a middle school pastor. And shepherding for him, I mean, it's just like he was made yeah, to shepherd. Yep. You know, uh, he builds relationships with students in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, they run to him, they immediately know Jesse cares about me. He loves me. He sees me for who I am. From there, there's a million opportunities for ministry. Absolutely. And I've always admired that about him. And and there are many people that are that way. I yeah. think probably more often than not, um, pastors that I know bend bend toward the shepherding piece. Yeah. And and have a tremendous amount of compassion for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think it is. It's interesting to hear Jeremiah say it that way with such strength and emphasis. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pastor. Yeah. The next one is equipper. Develop people to ministry. And so this is people development is the related competency here for the equipper. Um, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints and the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we reach unity in the faith and in knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. This equipper role mm-hmm. is is such a big deal. And this Absolutely. one, I think, is this is one that I rate myself higher on because same. I think it is so much fun. I was literally going to say the same thing. Like, this is a blast. Yeah. and And even now... Getting to see some of the students that, you know, my engagement right now in student ministry is less because it's not it's not my full time Mm -hmm. work, you know. And so my ability and access to equip students as a student pastor was very different. But but even now, six, five years removed from that, seeing these students 
still leaning in to some of those places where they were equipped in student ministry yes. that the Lord so graciously let me be a part of yep. is still so rewarding. It is, for sure. So this this is one of those places where you have opportunity to intentionally identify where are these students gifted yep. and where are the places that I can lean in and really help them begin to hone a skill. Yeah. You know, and so they're, this is a music kid, you know, mm-hmm. and they've got their, you know, they've got their head on straight, you know, they've they've got kind of the right biblical foundation for me to really start pouring into. What does it look like for you to lead to be a part of a of a worship band, right. you know, if not be the worship leader? What does it look like mm-hmm. for me to start teaching you how to uh, to think about scripture in a way that it informs worship? Yeah. Um, this is, you know, finding that we've had these conversations before. This is finding the kid that's uh, that loves everything technology and Absolutely. saying, hey, you know, everything we do here at church involves some level of technology. You yep. know, how can you use this? How can you glorify the Lord yep. with this? That was me. Yeah. So. so you can plug in every kid, a thousand different interests. Yep. This is your opportunity to laser in on those things that these students are really good at and encourage them and help them make those gifts flourish. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, this is where you see kids stick. I think so too because it gives a sense of ownership. It's it it really helps them realize man, I really am making a difference. I think it goes a long way too in the discipleship process yeah. of realizing okay, that I can do this. Sometimes you know, you need a few quote unquote wins along the way. Maybe they do love tech and so then they come for that, but yet along the way, they're going to keep hearing yeah. the gospel. They're going to be able to dive deeper. And I've just seen so many students, they're on the right track. They get interested in something like that, whether it be music or maybe it's helping lead rec or games or whatever. And then they're, their kind of eyes get open to like, oh, well, there really isn't more to this, you know, and then really dive deep into the word and yeah. into God and into their relationship. And it's amazing too, to see countless stories of how God has used that and where students are today and many adults and friends that we all got our starts in some form of this in student ministry and then how God is using them. God really helped define and refine those passions for them. Yeah, and this is something that Ben has talked a lot about as the as the research came out. Just kind of being able to put our finger on the pulse of why students leave the church and understanding that that's... I mean, you can come to this conclusion without the research study, but right. the research study really highlighted some key indicators that said students are leaving the church without a love for the church. Right. And so when you don't when you don't love when you don't adore the body of Christ and when you don't see that you have a place there and that you have a role there then it's easy it's easy to leave and yep. and see that as something that's not important in your life. But when you've equipped these students and they begin to understand like oh I have a place I I belong here I'm not just coming to to receive and to take in, but I'm coming to give too and contribute and be a part of and grow actively instead of passively yep. in my faith, then you're, 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 you're helping nurture a walk that's not soon going to fizzle out. Yeah. And I think it's important too to equipping is also volunteers around you. You can't, you can't do everything. That's right. And so, I mean, multiplying yourself, I mean, I mean, how great is it to see someone, a leader that's you know, up and coming, they've got a lot of passion. And do you want to be the person that's like, oh, well, I mean, they're not going to do it how I do it. So I need to make sure that I do it, you know? Yeah. Like, and you just squash and kind of stomp Mm -hmm. on their dreams. Like, think about that for a minute. Or are you going to say, 
let me help guide and shepherd them along the way, equip them in this process and let them take off. And who knows where God may take them. Like it's just, and it's, it's honestly, that's one of the best things I think. And what makes this so fun is seeing other people succeed and getting to have a small step and help, you know, guiding and shaping that is incredibly fun. Yeah. That's something else that's always interesting about essentials too, because we do them from Mondays to Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. So Wednesday morning, you can see, you you can see yeah. in people's <laughs> body language in those morning sessions when they're trying to decide are the last couple of sessions ones that I feel like I really need to be here for because I've got right. to get back for Wednesday night. And you often hear people saying, making comments like, oh, no, man, this has been so good. I got some people running things for me on on Wednesday, we're just going to yeah. kind of take our time and really process what we've learned because we finish yep. at 11. And so there's time for people to get back if they can, if it's a close enough can, drive yeah. or if they've gotten their flight out to get them back. But then there's the flip side, like, man, Wednesday night won't happen if I don't show up. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's always room for some interesting conversation there. Like, let's talk about why will it not happen if you don't show mm-hmm. up? You know, they might have only been there for a month. You don't have time right. to equip people. Yeah. But often it's, you know, that's a it's a long you know, they've been there a long time. They've got some good tenure there, but they just haven't put in the work to make sure that that, that ministry would run if they weren't there for a day. Right. It, because it, it really is work. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of hard work to, to develop people and to get them, you know, in a, in a good place. And it takes a ton of strategy, takes a ton of spending time being that theologian, takes mm-hmm. a lot of time casting that vision. So it goes into all these things. And so are we going to shy away from that? Because maybe we don't want to, as much or are we going to dive in deeper and kind of refine and work on our weaker areas? Yeah. So the last one, last but not least, is steward. And this is to faithfully manage resources and the related competency is stewardship. That's a pretty obvious one. Um, Titus 1.7, for an overseer as God's administrator must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not addicted to wine, not a bully, not greedy for money. And so this stewardship, this is a this is a pretty self-explanatory one. But I think often, so here's the deal. As a student pastor, you already have to fight against a, a reputation that other student pastors, unfortunately, have earned for you. <laughs> and that is yes. that you're going to be reckless with your time and your money and that everybody's got to keep an eye out so that you don't squander your ministry. And so this is a a charge to you, an encouragement to you to not allow anyone to ever put you in that category. People say this in different ways, like spend the church's money like it's your own. Right. Uh, thinking, you know, man, if it was your money, would you waste it that way? You know, right. would you go out on that many meals? Would you, um, would you buy you know, little, 500 balloons for whatever you're going to do? Or Yeah. You know, buy yeah. an extra of stuff when you really, you only need 20, but you bought the 50 pack because it's easier than piling 20 individually into the shopping cart or or whatever. Um, But I know a lot of people that waste their own money. So really understanding that this is God's money. These are the resources he has given you. And that applies personally as well. Mm -hmm. But with your church budget, don't, don't spend it like it's your own. Don't spend it like it's, you know, just money that's been allotted to you. I mean, it didn't just come out of nowhere. Right. People have contributed this money to the Lord in obedience to him to fund the ministry, and he has allowed you to be a steward of these funds. Yep. He's allowed you to be a steward of these resources, and it is your responsibility 
not to blow out your budget. If you don't take your budget seriously, then you've probably got a lot of people sitting, whether it's on a finance committee or your elders or whatever that structure is, who take a budget very seriously. And so for that, what you're saying is something that they value, you don't value. Yeah. And no matter what the case is, that never tends to work out well. In a blog post that Ben wrote and just recently came out called Delegation or Laziness, uh, he talks about managing your budget. And one of the things I, I thought was really important, he said, your budget is the amount of money that your church leadership has given you to operate the ministry and managing it should be treated with great a great deal of respect. What has become a joke to some student pastors losing receipts or going over budget does damage to you as a leader and damage to the calling of a student of student pastors as a whole. If you want respect and more leadership opportunities as a student pastor, this is one way that you can gain it instantly. And I loved how you put yeah. that last line. If you want respect, if you want to get that, this is one area that I think so many people want to just brush off. Or maybe it feels too businessy and you're like, man, I do not want to be in business. I'm, yeah. That's why I'm a student pastor. But there's an element of that of that in this. And I like how you put it, John Paul. It's this is money that the people of God have given for the work of God. And that should that should be our leading thought whenever we spend or want to spend any bit of money, mm-hmm. you know. How does this impact the kingdom? And again, it goes just right up the line of each one of these. If you are being that, if it, you can clearly show how it relates to the vision, you can clearly show a strategy of how this money is going to be used. You can show how, you know, this relates to the solid theology and doctrine of what we believe. Then I think people will take you seriously. So I think this is one of those things that can take a little bit of work, but can have huge impact. Yeah. So those are the six core competencies. Uh, Let this be, if you've, if you've stuck with us through all the six core competencies, let this be maybe a moment of self-development and self-analysis to walk through these competencies and and really give an, an account of where you're strongest and where you're the weakest. And then what you do with that, I mean, there's so many things you can do with that. Taking that to a mentor of yours, taking that to, you know, if you report like I did, like to a minister of education, or maybe you report directly to your pastor going to them and saying, hey, here are some areas that I have strengths. I'd love to know any recommendations that you have to even boost these strengths. But here, you know, say you've got an, you're not a great strategist, but you have a church administrator. Go meet with your church administrator and say, I need to grow in strategy. Absolutely. This is clearly a strength of yours. Mm-hmm. What do you do? How do you plan your day? How do you how do you delegate your work? How do you, you know? Yeah. And learning from those people, finding books in these areas. We've done this before to to just go around the room and ask people what are the best books that you know on uh discipleship, theology, uh casting vision, uh ministry strategy, collaboration, people development, stewardship and Make a reading list for yourself uh, for development. And so, and there's a million other things that you could come up with, but use it as a tool. Hopefully it's a way that you can, that you can help yourself uh, develop your ministry a little bit. This has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>